Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Latham Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Let me tell you something. Tell me. First day of negative testing has happened. You are COVID free. Hopefully. Are you symptom free? Yeah, I've been feeling better since like uh, Monday was the worst day. And okay. I've been feeling better um, the last couple of days. My energy came really, yesterday was like the first true bounce back day. And so then you I was tell. like, and then I was like, uh, how could you tell? Text messages. Oh, yeah. The fingers were moving. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after that, I was like, maybe I'll test tomorrow and see. Uh, but I can feel when the COVID leaves. <laughs> Shut up. I can. I can feel when it's gone. Feel when the co- Whatever. I can Good. feel when the COVID gets out of my body. So why, why do I look like I have COVID and you look fresh as a daisy? I'm the one who looks like they just rolled out of bed. I'm in this this onesie. That's I look onesie? like my lips look ashy. I'm the one who looks like they rolled out of bed or and been sick. And you look like you're ready to go. Hit the weekend. Yes, yeah, a onesie. I love a good onesie. You probably got it. No, don't say that. Don't put that on me. I don't want you. I got enough it. going on. I don't either. If I have to be stuck in my room with COVID too. Good thing don't about put that on me. Good thing about COVID is I've been drinking so much water. That is good. You know That's I mean? good. It's very, very impressive. Very okay. impressive for myself. Uh look, it's time to get into the podcast. The pleasantries. You know, the reality is my energy's still down. I'm still gonna spend another day in bed. I've been working, good, I've been getting man. so much writing done, you know. I am gonna take a walk to see the sun. Maybe get that vitamin D. Uh, wait, question. Are you when you write, do you type or do you actually handwrite? I type. Oh, never mind. Why? What do you do? I, I, my thought process is better if I handwrite. Interesting. So like when I did the bar exam, majority of the people were typing their answers. I hand wrote the entire thing for two and a half days because I just, my, I think better that way. So my friend introduced me to this thing called, uh, remarkable, which is like this tablet. I just got it. So I haven't opened it up. So I'm not going to do a great job explaining it, but it's like a digital thing and you feel like you're writing, but then you can transfer those notes into, you know, a PDF or whatever it may be. So I thought for you, you know, you being this writer, if you handwrite, this would be something great for you. Uh, I get uh, it for you, but it's, I'm not, I can't. You know, it's crazy. If I'm journaling, I handwrite it. Do you journal daily, weekly? I weekly journal. Wow. I wish. If I journal, it's a, it's handwritten, but if I'm writing it out, it's pop, 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 I don't journal often, but when I do, it's because like I come from a therapy or I used to go to this life coach and, you know, she was like, you need to write this certain way about being grateful and visualizing certain things. So I don't write often, but I will every now and then, and I'm curious if you do this, come across a journal and I'll read it and I'll be like, damn, that's what was going on back then. I recently came across this journal and I was just like, Wow. I Tell came me. across a journal entry 
I came across a journal entry that was about a sexual experience that I had one time. It was very Let's funny. move on. Let's go ahead and get into to the show. I have to talk about Here it because I, I just saw No, just, what are you doing? Nobody invited you to give full details. You said enough. Okay. This is what we'll do. We won't do it right now, but I'll give a little fodder for the Reddit. I recently came across one of my old journals when I was back home. Hit hit us up in the Reddit if you want to hear the Kiss of Mint story. Oh. Kiss of Mint? Yeah. The you kiss, titled it? It's the it's the Kiss of Mint incident. Of twenty twenty of two thousand and two. If you want to the hear about the Kiss of Mint incident that was in my journal in two thousand and two. Uh, let us know on Reddit. Kiss of Mint you, is the You name call them soulless jackals. Of course they're going to want to know. I have to admit, even I am now a tad curious that it's titled. Kiss of Mint. <laughs> Save it for a future right. podcast. We'll, we'll, hopefully we'll be in person on Monday because uh, everybody is healthy. So if we're in person on Monday, I'll tell the Kiss you of test Mint. again. Story. I'm, I'm testing every day. Because I'm Look. going out of town next week and I don't want to be sick. That's a negative. I want you to take it in front of me. What? You don't believe that I could test negative? <laughs> no, I know you're not irresponsible. All right. Yes, Monday in person. Finally, we haven't had an in-person pod all year. That's yeah, true. All right. Uh, on the other side of this break, a little news that hits, hits close to home. This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with Shea butter and black dermatologists approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel. Okay. The deodorants came to the house. Yes, me too. You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up mm-hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant on for the day. <laughs> maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she, but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smells good. Oh, yeah. Day. No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm-hmm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow. Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Look at you. You're smart. You're stylish. You've just got it going on. And your ride should be no different. The new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is the sedan that meets all your needs. With head-turning details like a sleek front end plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. All right, the U.S. is in its second largest COVID surge ever. I'm a part of it. Ever? Yeah. Test positivity and wastewater data shows that viral activity in the U.S. is higher than it was this last time, with wastewater data especially rising rapidly the past several weeks. The graph is showing the peak of COVID 
COVID outbreaks. It's our new normal, people are saying. It's intensifying, according to uh, the CDC, which is, of course, an organization that has all the credibility in the world uh, over these last couple of years. They've fucking basically destroyed the CDC, but uh, Americans are still dying of COVID, of COVID. 1,400 Americans a week still dying of COVID. A week? Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank goodness we're talking. I mean, I'm, I'm, I really thought you misspoke. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't no. mean to interrupt you. No, it's fine. You I just, to... well, I'm just shocked by that. Not that I thought, obviously, we know COVID is still with us. We know that it, it you know, it's kind of like a roller coaster. They'll say COVID is surging right now. And it seems like a lot of people get it. And particularly with the holidays, just, uh, just coming through the holidays, it makes sense that there's been a surge. But to hear that 1,400 people a week, I'm not, what was that? That's what, 5,600 a month? It's a lot of people. I don't know math and stuff. So that's like over 60,000 a year. Still dying. 1,500. And we're not talking about it. And I think because, you know, most people at this point have had it. Majority of people have gotten through it. And so it takes away like before when the unknowns, right? Mm -hmm. What's going to, what am I going to feel like? What's going to be the effect on me? Or a lot of people may not have had someone close that they know pass away from it. And so it doesn't affect them the same way. But to hear that is shocking. All right. So you've felt fallen victim to it. What are we, what are we, what are they saying? What should we do? Before I get to that, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. 1,400 Americans dying of COVID a week. Why do you think we aren't talking about it, Rachel? Well, I mean, the first thought is that this is what we do as a society. Something's big, and then we move on to the next thing. And obviously, COVID was with us for a long time because of quarantining, and it was something new, and we were all trying to adjust to it. But I feel like now that people have adjusted to it, and they may understand it a little bit better than they have before, they've put it into the box like a like the flu. And it's just something that lives amongst us and people will get it yearly, maybe multiple times a year or they won't, won't. And now they're, you know, we have preventative, not preventative measures, but once you get it, there's certain things that you can take to lessen your symptoms and, you know, to move to get through it. So I think that's why we don't talk about it because we seem to be on the other side of it. I have a one word answer. And that's capitalism. Okay. Joe Biden, the president, any president would have done this, but Joe Biden is the president. The pandemic is over. Mm -hmm. Saying that the pandemic is over was a statement, not specifically about science or medicine. Or, True. you know, epidemiology or anything. Like that. It was an economic statement. Yeah. It was a statement that said you can go to the movies, you can get on a plane, you can go to a restaurant, mm -hmm. you can get from behind your computer with Zoom, you can get back to work. Pandemic in America is an economic term. It's a term that means how much we have to do to uh, re-enter into capitalism or how much we have to do to um, shield ourselves from this disease 
it, that's really at cross purposes with the money making entity that the United States is. That's what it basically means. It means, yeah. hey, we're we're in a pandemic, so you can't go spend money here because you'll be around other people. You can't spend money there, so you can't go be around other people. You can go to the health club, so the health club makes a buck. You can get on public transportation, so the public transportation makes a buck. All of the things that we do, it makes you kind of think about it in American society is to drive economic, uh, the economic engine. I'm not uh, making some sort of moral judgment about that. I'm not making, I'm not saying, oh, oh, this is bad. I mean, I think we all have our quibbles with capitalism and the way that it affects our daily lives as human beings who are supposed to be able to live expressive lives where we're trying to better ourselves and the constraints that capitalism uh, puts on that. But what I will say is that when you make a decision that a pandemic is over, you're basically making the decision that people can go spend money again. And that decision doesn't really have anything to do with how significant the COVID surge might be or the changing in variants or anything like that. It has to do with whether or not the amount of people that are going to die from this thing um, are low enough that it's okay for money to be made. So it's not about if people are going to die. It's about what a lot of things in America are about, which is the acceptable number of deaths. And the acceptable number of deaths in exchange for economic activity and what that is. Right now, it's about 1,400 people uh, a week. So uh, what I would say to the entire situation is this. Uh, You know, that's kind of, the, the the calculus that we're going to do. We're going to decide basically how safe something is. And we'll just do it with COVID. We do it with all kinds of things. We're going to decide how safe something is based upon, you know, how much money we're losing uh, by sort of negotiating it. Now, what I would be interested to know is if 1,400 people a week are dying of COVID, which you said was 50, how many people a year? Uh, I said 5,600 a month. 5,600 a month which is how many people per year? Math 67, 67,200. Now, you know what I would be interested in, in knowing is how many flu deaths a year are there? I literally just looked it up how while many? you were talking. How many? And I'm give me a, a couple give me of a things. Bad, give me a bad flu year. 52,000. Okay. So, so this, it's, which is shocking to me as well, that that many people die of the flu. Oh, the flu be knocking niggas out. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, what? Is that wrong? It's, it's just, we're talking about people dying and you're like, yeah, I'd be knocking people out. Like, I mean, I'm not I, trying to It be, just caught me off guard. I know you're not making light of it. It just, the way you said it just caught me off guard. Sorry, uh, it just caught me off guard. Um, But yeah, I mean, it had me on my ass two years ago, bad. Mm-hmm. I thought it was COVID. And right. it was the flu. Right. I still haven't had, I'm just checking, still neggy. I still haven't had COVID as bad as the worst flu I've ever had. Which, by the way, guys, that means nothing. Okay. I'm not trying to, don't, don't come for me. I'm just saying. Okay. So what we're saying is that a lot of the reasons why we're not talking about COVID is because we've made some other determinations. Hmm. Uh, COVID is not the flu. It it still remains a, uh, 
a disease that we are learning about in real time um, that we haven't had a hundred some odd years experience with or, you know, longer even that we've had experience with the flu. So it's still a very, very serious thing. And I want everybody out there to protect themselves because we still got a lot of winter left. A lot of winter left. You know what I'm saying? Rach? Yeah. What's your opinion of black comics and dresses? To be very honest with you, before this became a whole thing, and we're starting to hear the comedians who have not worn dresses or the ones that have talk more about this, I never even thought about it. It never was, it was never a big issue for me, whether it was Medea, whether it was Martin in Big Mama's house, whether it was Shanene or Wanda. I just was like, it's a form of comedy. Yeah. And I guess as I named those, like Jamie Foxx, Martin, um, who else did I name? Um, so many people Tyler have Perry. done it. So many people have done it. I guess it, it, the, yeah. My point is, is it's not a defining thing of them. I don't look at them. Well, maybe Tyler Perry, we do look at as Medea, but he also has done so much more of that. But it's not a, it wasn't a choice that totally defined them to where that, that that's all that they became. So I did not put so much weight on thinking of Martin in Big Mama's house because he's done so much more and has been so much more impactful with his career. So wasn't a big deal. You? Hmm. I I don't really care. I don't yeah. look. Yeah. So yeah. I see this as an issue for the performer. You know? You're like, uncomfortable. Like you're it's uncomfortable. Subjective. Right. It's all about how you interpret it for yourself. Like we Cat Williams has, has triggered so many relevant social issues. From his interview on Club Shay Shay, which we are, you know, we're coming off Dr. King's uh, birthday. We're essentially t- treating Cat Williams on Club Shay Shay as if it was the I Have a Dream speech. Yeah, was, that's very true. It was a very entertaining interview, well conducted by uh, Shannon Sharp, by the way. Uh, people say whatever the fuck they want to say. I thought when somebody cooking, you let them cook. <laughs> and that's what Shannon was supposed to do. And that's what he did. But, I mean, we're essentially treating cat heart uh, cat cat heart not cat heart wow. we're essentially treating <laughs> cat williams's interview like it's a new book of the bible which is yeah very interesting um we love cat williams <laughs> i think cat williams is one of the smartest guys just so good with words that uh that i've ever seen talk not just be a comic but talk but it's interesting how we're treating the interview as if it is the gospel from on down from heaven and it's changing the dynamics. This is an interesting time. He talked about comedians wearing dresses and then it came up uh, the Marlon Wayans, who's obviously very famous for the movie White Chicks, when mm-hmm. him and his brother Sean wear dresses and white face going for the Cat Williams double take right there. They took the fucking gold and the silver. They, <laughs> they were white and they wore dresses. <laughs> he was being interviewed on the cruise show. Shout out to my homies over at the cruise show, 92.3 here in Los Angeles. And Marlon Wayans gave his opinion about the whole dress wearing comedy thing. Let's listen to that. What about the you know, the black man putting on a dress 
conversation. You talking to a black man that put on a dress? Mm -hmm. I don't. I, that that conversation to me is it's silly because it's a it's a it's a negative thing that is only in black people. We have for some reason been programmed to look down on the craziest parts about our experience that we're supposed to not embrace our past, not embrace our history, not embrace our heroes, not embrace our different levels of comedy, that we have to be this way. When Robin Williams puts on a dress and is Mrs. Doubtfire, he gets nominated for an Oscar and white people think it's brilliant. His community embraces him. When Dustin Hoffman puts on a dress in Tootsie and he wins an Oscar, he's labeled brilliant. When black people put on dresses, all of a sudden we're labeled by our own people like something negative. And I'm like, we did White Chicks. That's a classic movie. Mm -hmm. It's a classic. I don't care what nobody says. No, it's no. a classic. Everyone says it's a classic. That whole thing about, you know, you put on a dress and you selling out, that, that is not an artist's mindset. When you are an artist, you know, you go out and you create art. Thank you very much. By the way, I would like to say it's Ashley on the ones and twos today. Donnie is off doing something. I don't know. Start a family. or I don't know what the hell's going on with Donnie. It's, 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 it's kind of a situation. He won't be here for us, be here for his own family. Look, um, <laughs> so Marlon is right in that situation. Like it, dressing up in drag, what we can call it, is so common in comedy that it's almost passe point. Everyone has done it. Tom Hanks did it. Bosom Buddies was the show. The whole show was about Tom Hanks and his 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 roommate dressing up as women so that they could either get a job or live in a specific apartment that was for women only. It was the apartment that was for women only in Bosom Buddies. Do you remember this show? The apartment was for women only and they didn't have enough money to afford a different apartment so they dressed up as women and in Bosom Buddies, they were in drag every single time. Do you remember that show? I, I know the graphic. I never watched the show. Right. Probably so Tom, wouldn't have been allowed to. Tom Hanks, Bosom Buddies. So you've seen it. You've seen it all yeah, over the place. Yeah. It happens all the time. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, so Marlon Wayans is right. I, I, I will say this. There are a couple of things here uh, that I think are. Okay. Number one, the concept of black masculinity. Jamila Lemieux in the comments when I posted this made a fantastic point that a lot of this has to do with homophobia, right? I'll read Jamila's comment because it was so on point uh, and then I'll add something to it. It's amazing. What she said was this. Most of the critiques of black men in dresses are little more than homophobia. But no one ever talks about the hateful way those men, those men usually depict black women. Mrs. Doubtfire and Tootsie did not depict white women as obnoxious and unattractive. Shanene and Wanda made a joke out of sisters. When white men put on a dress, the joke is on them. When black men put one on, it's usually on us. That's actually true. That's actually yeah. true for the most part when you look at it. Wanda, Shanene, all those characters right there. And that's something that has to be considered when you're, when, when, when you're talking about this argument. Yeah, no, I think that it's to her point to add on to it. It's the 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 negative light that it puts on black women, and it also 
perpetuates this idea that to be entertaining on television, whether it be scripted or reality, you have to be a Black woman. You have to fit into a certain box. You got to be a mammy. You got to be a Jezebel. You got to be the aggressive Black woman. You have to be the loud Black woman. Like you can't just be. And those characters that she named in her comment are perpetuating that stereotype. I'll add a couple of things on that. I, uh, uh, observations that I have about this. First of all, once again, comes back down to the individual performer. Wearing a dress is just another thing that if you are uncomfortable doing it, that you should not do. If you are uncomfortable doing something as a performer, you should not do it. You should not have to say something that you are uncomfortable saying. You should not have to do something that you are uncomfortable doing. Now, your level of comfort based upon different things is going to have to do with a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. I do want to talk about black manhood specifically here in a little bit more of a holistic sense. Okay. And it's going to all be anecdotal, so I hope everybody allows me a little latitude here. When I say anecdotal, I mean from my history. My expression of manhood, especially as it was taught to me, was both an affirmation of something, but it was also a reaction to something. Mm -hmm. So my father's expression of manhood was about how he saw the world and about how the world saw him because he was a black man from the South. And being that he was a black man from the South, his manhood was constantly being litigated by people who society had said were more man than him. Because remember, he was a boy. He -hmm. was not a man. The men made the rules in his society. They sat around on juries. They were at City Hall. They had contracts. They made deals and then told him when to work. They ran stores and then told him and his father when they could buy food and when they could eat and when they could celebrate and when they could protect their families and when they could do all of that type of stuff. So they that's how manhood was taught to Southern black men. Southern black men said no. And they protected their families. They picked up their guns. They made great history. They planted. They farmed. They did all of this stuff. Black manhood was a defiance of something, like a defiance of a social order that said that you were less than a man. So guys like Malcolm X and uh, guys like Dr. King who stood up and said, I'm a man. This is my family. This is my gun. This is this. That's why for me personally, as it was taught to me, asserting who you are and drawing a clear line means so much because anything less than that is seen as an act of cowardice and an act of uh, not just cultural traitorship or cultural cowardice or whatever, however you want to put it, um, but this intense failing of your family and, and who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I get that. And that exists. And that's why in a lot of places, not just where I'm from, um, being a man is more about what you won't do 
than it is about what you will do. Hmm. Right? It's it's about how they can't make you do something because it's reactive to what they've been trying to make you do. Like, come over here, boy. No, I won't come over there. I'm a man, Mm -hmm. I'm not a boy. Boy, do this. No, I won't do that. I'm a man, I'm not a boy. Boy, let me come over and fuck your wife. No, you can't fuck my wife. I'm a man, not a boy. Like, let me come here and take all your shit. No, you can't take that. I'm a man, not a boy. It's a sort of reactive situation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people look at that now in all of these places and these structures where white people run stuff and we go, okay, well, you're a man based upon what you won't do. Right? Based upon what you won't give to someone, how you won't compromise yourself. Cool. That now has gotten messed up with sexual congress as well. Right? And so you think that white people who run all of these places are threatened by the assertion of your manhood. They're threatened by how you assert that. So they want to emasculate you by Mm -hmm. putting you in a dress. By saying, okay, well, you're telling me what you will and you won't do. You're asserting your manhood. Let me tell you what I can do. I can dangle this amount of money in your face and I can put you in what I believe to be is a sign of of emasculization, which is you being in a dress. A sign of femininity, should I say. I don't even know if that was a word. A sign of femininity, which is you getting in a dress. And if you get in that dress, right? If you Mm -hmm. get in that dress, if you choose to get in that dress, that's you acquiescing to that. That's you saying, okay, well, everything else that everyone said, all the no's that they said so that we could be looked at as men, they don't matter because I'm saying yes to this. And if I know that you are trying to emasculate me and I do it anyway, I'm submitting to that. I'm saying that that's okay. And all of these things are being like worked out. Boom, 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 boom. But there's like something that's missing there. The, the the missing thing is, to me, us still centering what white people, what white Hollywood or what anyone would think about us as men before we do something. A man, manhood to me, this is the last thing I'll say about it because I'm droning on, is not about what you won't do. It's about what you will do. Yeah. It's like, it's not where you stick your dick, right? Be it in a woman or in a dress. It's about where you stick your heart. Like, is your heart in your family? Is your heart in protecting your community? Is your heart in being of your word, being responsible? Is your heart of building, like, blocks so that people know that they can rely on you? That's masculinity. That's the type of masculinity that my father, even in his flawed way, tried to teach me. And guys like Jason Wilson, who is a mentor of me, try to teach me now. It has nothing to do with that. If you want to wear a dress and you don't feel emasculated wearing the dress, then wear the dress. Right. If it's funny, do it. If it works, do it. If it's a thing, do it. If you feel like they're trying to play with play with you, don't do it. That's it. But I can tell you one thing, like setting up structures and hierarchies about who's more man based upon what we feel like they're willing to do or that they're not willing to do is exactly the way white people treated us. Like, we learned that from them. We learned how to measure our manhood and reduce ourselves to being less than men from white people. Like, they taught us how to do that. They taught us how to set up these little goals, right? And now we're doing the same thing. We're rebelling against each other, trying to set all of these standards. 
I challenge everybody out there to give a fuck about your family and give a fuck about your community and give a fuck about the people around you and give a fuck about protecting the women in your community, protecting the children in the community, protecting yourself and your brothers. That's what makes a man. Stop talking about dresses. Half the niggas I see commenting on this shit, I look around, y'all ain't... <laughs> Look. <laughs> you were doing so well. <laughs> you were doing so well. <laughs> I don't I don't I, I don't want to come down. I, look. <laughs> All right, let's just move on. That was great though. That was great. I mean, so put so like I feel like you shut it down. We don't need to talk about this anymore. That really captured exactly what the issue is. And can we move on from it? And your challenge to be to what it is to be a man. This is what you need. Family, community, sense of self. Come on. Just, that's it. Usher, <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question. Usher, I'm sorry. I was about to go. I don't want to go off. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, don't. It don't. Because some, some, like, some of these dudes. almost there. Some of these dudes is like, like some of these dudes I see in the comments and they're like, Man, I'll never wear a dress. I know you, dog. I know you. I was back at the crib and I lent your people money. Like, I know you, nigga. Like, I know you. Also, I, people are I know what they won't do until they get an opportunity. Yeah, but it's like it. some of y'all, I know you ain't talking. I just had to check in on you. I know you. You <laughs> wildin'. Why don't you go? Look, anyway. <laughs> Not taking it personally, I'm just saying manhood. It's great. It's great. It's great. This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with Shea butter and black dermatologists approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel. Okay. The deodorants came to the house. Yes, me too. You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up mm -hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm -hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant on for the day. <laughs> Maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she, but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smell good. Oh, yeah. Day. No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm. I'm a sweater. Mm -hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, and in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow. Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Look at you. You're smart. You're stylish. You've just got it going on. And your ride should be no different. The new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is the sedan that meets all your needs. With head-turning details like a sleek front end plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little 
sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Um, Usher, did you see the Vogue cover? Yeah, I was confused when I saw it. What you confused about? I saw the Usher cover and I was confused. I thought, is it a cover? Is it like, is it a print cover? Is it a digital cover? There were so many people on it. Usher surrounded by children. I thought, is Usher a football coach? And we don't know. Does he coach one of his kids' teams? Who's the white lady <laughs> in the picture? I, like, truly, these were all thoughts. And I thought, and because I was so confused by it, I just scrolled. <laughs> I just scrolled by. I was like, not understanding what's going on. Never seen a Vogue cover that looks like this before. Must not really be a cover. And I'm gonna, And I'm going to move on to other things. That was my first thought. You? Uh, I, I don't know that much about Vogue. Like, I couldn't, I, I don't know enough to be offended. I've never you seen know? anything like that. On Vogue? I wasn't offended. I just, I understand it deeper now, but I kind of was like, what's happening here? But I also did not care that much to really do the research to find out. I thought, oh, I sure must coach a, a football team. That's cute. That's right on time for Super Bowl. That's really how I was thinking. So, I guess on the cover of this is it's Usher, and he's wearing a Willie Shavaria jacket and pants. Can't even see the pants. And model Carolyn Murphy wears a Moo Moo Mew Mew jacket skirt. Mew 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 Mew. Said Moo Moo. Is is that how you say it? <laughs> Moo five Moo. Move, five, move. <laughs> milk it, milk it, milk it. Milk it, milk it, milk it, milk it, milk it. <laughs> God damn, we got to get Al on the podcast. Man. Move, five, move. Milk it, milk it, milk it. He was around campus dressed up as a cow. Bro, Hits from the Streets was the funniest show it on TV at the time. Amazing. <laughs> bro, at one time, bro, I swear to this, at one time, Hits from the Streets was the Funniest show on TV. Let me tell you something about Hollywood before we get back to Usher. <laughs> Al is a legitimate, Al Shearer, guys. Al is a legitimate, funny, comic, genius nigga. Like, legitimately hilarious, bro. Like, legitimately hilarious. It was like, great. He's had a great career, but they're underusing him. Hits from the streets was, hilarious, bro. It was great. It even yeah. got to me. You know what I mean? Five, I didn't get to watch that much it, and it, I didn't even knew about this. Uh, <laughs> okay, so he's on this cover with Ma Carolyn Murphy. She's wearing a, uh, well, how you say it again? Mew Mew. Mew Mew. And they got kids on here. You got number 10, number 11. They're from the Junior Gales. And I know this team from somewhere. 
the the I know the I know the Junior Gales. So Junior Gales is like a a mini bitty team. Junior Gales football. It's in Las Vegas. Oh yeah, Bishop Gorman. So Bishop Gorman is a big time high school out in Las Vegas. Uh, uh, Tate Martell went there. A bunch of people went there. You guys know Bishop Bishop Gorman. It's like one of the best schools. Um, so look, people were mad. They said not enough usher on this cover. My question yeah. is why did Usher do the cover? Because it was Vogue. So if Usher's okay with the cover, then what the fuck we mad about? It's a good point, right? Usher obviously signed off on this. His team did. He's also not going to say no to Vogue because it's Vogue and he's in that world and has never been on the cover of it and it's still considered an honor to be on the cover of Vogue. But I'm looking at number seven more than I'm looking at Usher. Usher's like the fourth thing that I see on this cover. I see Usher, I see this kid, number 16, in bare feet, and I'm wondering where his shoes are. I'm trying to figure out who the woman is, and then I'm like, oh, that's Usher. What it looks what like, was really, the point? is what that was the- it looks like <laughs> this is their family. <laughs> it looks like he made it with her. And and these are all the different versions of child that they had. It just you know? I, the title says Usher Super Bowl MVP. I just he's they're children. Like so, this is we're talking about Super Bowl professional. Fo- it like doesn't match up. I would love to talk to the person who had the concept for this and trying to understand it because it makes absolutely no sense. And most people don't know Junior Gales. Most people don't know what that is. I. J- I think people were just confused. Yeah, I mean, they have them featured all throughout here. Um, it, it, and they, he's featured with her. I mean, some of these shots are fucking amazing. It's Usher in this black car outside uh, uh, Alliance Stadium, Allegiant Stadium, where the Super Bowl is going to take place out there in Vegas. It's going to be a total shit show. Uh so look, it's her with it, he's with her in all of these things, and they pointed out that there've been other stars like Harry Styles, people like that, that have done Vogue by themselves. But apparently, it's Usher and Carolyn Murphy. Are they in a relationship? No, they pointed out that this isn't the first time this has happened with a black man on the cover of Vogue. Right, because they had LeBron James on the cover of Vogue too, and he was attacking or something like that. We was he on the phone. He had him? his he had his arm around Giselle. And he, was and, going, ah. and he was making a face and she was like, look like a damsel in distress. And, you know, people were comparing it to other things. So, okay. So Vogue not fucking with y'all. Now what? Vogue don't <laughs> fuck with y'all like that. I mean. I think people were like, y'all aren't buying the magazine anyway. But I think it, listen, you could make the argument in a lot of things. Why do you care? Vogue isn't fucking with you anyway, to use your words. But there is something to talk about if this is what Vogue does when it comes to, and I don't read it. So I don't know if there have been just black men solo on the cover before that aren't models. This is what it seems like Vogue does with black men. I wonder if Kanye been on the cover of it, maybe with Kim. I would imagine Kanye has been on it because I don't know. I might be misspeaking. But if this is a pattern, then this seems to be problematic for a 
arguably one of the most coveted covers when it comes to entertainment is Vogue, the U.S. Vogue. And the fact that Black men can't stand alone on it is a problem. I'm looking at Lizzo on It doesn't matter that you don't read it. It's that this is an influential magazine with very influential people behind it, and this is how they want to portray Black men. That's why people get upset. I'm looking at it. So I'm seeing some Black men on the cover of Vogue, man. I'm seeing Will Smith was on that bitch. Oh, no, this is men's Vogue. I'm sorry. This is different. This is not the regular Vogue. Like LeBron not, was the first one to ever co- cover it in 2008. The first black it was man with, ever? First black man to appear on the cover of Vogue, U.S., LeBron James, and he had Giselle. And the way they portrayed him was in that way we just we said yeah, I mean, look, if it's something to be concerned about, then it's something to be concerned about. I guess my thing is that I wonder why Usher wouldn't have been like, I mean, we're not talking about some, even LeBron, right? LeBron don't know shit about that, especially in 2008. LeBron was probably like, I'm down, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know why yeah. I didn't feel that way, sound that way. But like Usher, I feel like Usher's at a point in his career to where he would know whether or not he's being played, right? Is this? I, I'm not trying to downplay this, but I, I was surprised that people cared so much, you know? Well, I think it's an interesting statistic. I mean, I didn't care before, but now I'm kind of like, wow, ha- have Black men really not been on the cover by themselves of Vogue? That's kind of interesting. Well, Why do, not? Do better, Vogue. You goddamn Voguers over there. I can't believe what you've done. I'm fucking mad. I can't believe what Vogue has done. Vogue, Vogue, do, do better. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, some people care. Okay. And it I'm is problem. It is problematic. I mean, okay. Would you, did you care before that the Bachelorette didn't have any black people that have been di- the lead? No. That's, that's but now different. you do because that's, we're family. That's different though. That's different. Why? Because, and that's actually a good, a good point, but that's different because that's making it seem like niggas don't love, man. You know, you have, (laughs) it's like, it's like you go years and years and years and you got the foremost American show of love and then you are. That's just not, not just for the fashionistas. The Bachelor is supposed to be for the whole audience. And then it's like, we not love. Like, I don't know who Mew Mew is or I can understand. Because you're not in the fashion. Right. So I'm saying it's like, it's different from The Bachelor, right? The Bachelor is a more widespread, wide marketed, big cultural entity than Vogue. Am I tripping? Maybe Vogue is bigger than The Bachelor. Vogue is, Vogue is huge. Vogue has like, Everybody knows Vogue, I would think. Most people know that Vogue is a magazine. If not, there's a song, there's a dance move attached to it, whatever it is. Vogue is a thing. And the fact that you're saying that, (laughs) gift that, Ashley. The fact that you're saying that Black men aren't fashionable enough, you know, classy enough, worthy enough to grace the cover of your magazine alone does say something when it's the most prestigious magazine in this country, in the world, maybe. It says something. I, I get it. 
you've converted me. Fuck Vogue. Fuck them. <laughs> okay. That's the bottom line. I could argue that there are multiple black people on this cover, though. Yeah, there's might, a bunch. Might be, they, the most, might be the most black people that have ever... That's what Vogue's going to say. This is the most, most diverse cover we've ever had. This is DEI right here. Is somebody that's at Vogue right now going, these niggas will never be satisfied. <laughs> we put niggas on the cover of Vogue and they told us it wasn't good enough. We didn't just put Usher. We put all the little niggas and other little biracials. We got everyone covered. <laughs> it does look like they're it's, It looks like a fucking Target commercial on the cover of Vogue. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> and just, I just want to let everybody out there know, we've talked about this before. Look, it's okay. Just put some black motherfuckers in the commercial, man. It's really all right. I guarantee you black families get up and go to Target together. But every Target commercial is a black is man, a white woman, and three little curly-haired niggas Really? Going to Target. Can't, I gotta you have, watch. You, have, you don't see the... There's a biracial agenda. There's a biracial agenda. And it's fine. Shout out to all the biracials out there. I, we fucking with y'all. I already told y'all. We, we fucking with y'all. Y'all fucking with us. But I watched the Target commercial. I'm like, man, can four niggas go to Target? I'm just being for real. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. I watched the Target commercials and all of these commercials. And I'm like... Can a black family, can four niggas wash their clothes? <laughs> can four niggas use Febreze? Because they, they, they put it all together in this one specific way. It's, it's like, like, hey, black, white, all together. And then I'm biracial kids. And then we all eat Jimmy Dean sausages together. I'm like, yo, man. Can four niggas eat Jimmy Dean's There's sausages no way together? you watch this many commercials. I, I don't believe you. God. I'm going to start watching like, now. There are people that are going to watch sports. this. People are going to watch this and be like, yeah, every commercial is like a nice <laughs> biracial family going to McDonald's. My question is, can four niggas go to McDonald's together? That's it. I, I, I know it's all black families that fucking go to Target. I guess they're trying to show we're, we're all getting a lot. Lank. What, whatever, bro. It's great. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. But can four niggas? <laughs> Go to Lowe's. All right. <laughs> DI. <laughs> <laughs> No need to segue into the topic. Bam. Go for it. DEI. Let's go. Florida said, fuck it. Florida State Board of Education passes rule to permanently prohibit, permanently prohibit DEI in public colleges. Florida State Board of Education announced Wednesday that they have implemented strict regulations to limit the use of public funds for diversity inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion, should I say, programs, activities, and policies at the 28 state college campuses. The board said the rule prohibits Florida college system institutions from using federal or state funds to administer 
programs that categorize individuals based on race, sex, or for the purpose of differential or preferential treatment. Uh, ben Crump weighed in on this. We continue to go down a misguided path of censorship in Florida because in addition to the passage of the new rule, they also replaced the course of principles in sociology, the course in American history. And of course, we know what the uh, educational guidelines down there in Florida are like now and the way that they'll be teaching this history in a whitewashed and inaccurate way. Are you waiting? Are you done? Are you yeah. frozen? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? Listen, I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of talking about it. I'm so sick of a new story coming out, whether it's Florida, whether it's Texas, or one of them states in between. I am so sick of us not just rewriting history, but actually redefining words and initiatives all in the name of self-preservation. Obviously, there's a need for DEI. And for some reason, we want to change what the word diversity, equity, inclusion mean. And for some reason, they want to say that that means, well, not for some reason, I just said it, for self-preservation. They, as statistics come out, I think we've talked about it on this podcast, specifically in Texas, White people are not the majority anymore. And so we're continuing to see them grasp at straws and try to reinvent things or redefine things in order to keep themselves at the top of the food chain, to keep themselves at the top of the social caste system, of the hierarchy, whatever it may be. DEI is obviously important. I don't even need to go through it and explain all of it. We get it. It's not, they're trying to teach the world through a single lens to students when that's not what this country looks like. That's not what these colleges are made of. And that's exactly what they're trying to create. I am so sick of it. I am so tired of it. But I know we have to talk about it because it's continuing to happen as they're getting rid of these programs, as they first got rid of funding, and now they're getting rid of these programs. I mean, I don't know. I'm just about, DEI is rooted in the Equal Pay Act. It's rooted in the Civil Rights Act. It's rooted in the Anti-Discrimination Act. It's not just about race. It's about gender. It's about religion. It's about disabilities. It's about so much more than just race. And that's what they're trying to define this as. And it's just frustrating that you have to remind people of what words and initiatives are because you have people out here who are willing to lie, and then you have other people that are backing it up and implementing it into law. I, I guess my question is, with an issue that's the ideological divide is this deep, what's the best way to go about fighting here? Because <clears throat> I've been getting in the weeds of the DEI thing. Deep okay. into the weeds. You know what I mean? And um, there are some voices that are anti-DEI that you wouldn't think are. You know, people that are around the edges of the ACLU or other oh, individuals. Other, you don't like the ACLU? Well, I'm just saying they do some things that cause people to raise eyebrows from time to time. So that's not shocking. The ACLU, mm. people in the ACLU. Not necessarily people in the ACLU, people who are formerly affiliated with them, people at other 
free speech and free expression organizations that are, you know, have big problems with DEI, particularly on college campuses and things like that. And there's nothing that's com- particularly compelling to me. I mean, I don't look at it like there's anything compelling, but I do want to be able to fight this particular battle in a very direct and detailed way. And I'm looking for the way to do that because from where I sit, from where I sit, it's black people, women, bad. Black people, women, gay people, bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't want anything that includes them, but we don't want America to have to see them. So what we'll do is make them a political punching bag and show everybody else in America, uh, particularly candidates like Ron DeSantis who want to make these um, gigantic national uh, national pushes for power. Hey, we'll show you that we're against these people taking over America by kicking DEI in the ass every place that we can. I do feel like different than CRT, though, and a couple of other things that they've used uh, as this this particular type of cudgel. This one is is a lot more pernicious. Uh, not a lot more pernicious because, you know, when you're in the middle of the CRT fighter, you're in the middle of talking about America's history, be it the 1619 Project or anything else. That leads to well, warped mindsets and things like that. But, you know, you, you have people now that are really leveling some outrageous claims and playing, up, playing upon the base instincts and fears of Americans saying that planes are going to crash out of the sky because black women are piloting them and saying that every single aspect of your life will be worse because of diversity and inclusion, which gets back to this really underlying thought that the only way that America can work is if it's in the hands of straight white men which is at the base of white supremacy uh, and a real, and a lot of economic and economic, physical and emotional violence that people will be on the other end of. Imagine if you think your life is on the line when you walk on the plane and your pilot is black. Some of these people, the reactions that you're going to have, the, what it might make you think or say or do, you know what I mean? So, but I mean, there's got to be a sorry. very direct intellectual way to fight this. But, but, but that's the thing. You want an intellectual way to fight something that's not intellectual. They're literally changing the definitions and the meanings and the history of words and initiatives or just factual things that happen. CRT dis- did only exist in higher, in like college and beyond. Uh, yeah, college and beyond. They were talking about something that they didn't even need to get rid of. DEI gets rid of programs. It gets rid of teachings. It gets rid of jobs. People mm-hmm. are losing their jobs because of this, their well-being. It's actually, that's why they moved to DEI because CRT wasn't doing anything. It's just something that they just pushed out there. that was a talking point. It had no actual effects. This does. I mean, within what Florida is doing with this, they also replace principles of sociology with American history. Sociology 101. Like I looked up the syllabus of this and they're telling people, oh, they're te- it's teaching them woke ideas. I looked up the University of Florida's um, um, object, like course objectives for this. And it's all about just teaching concepts and theories and methods that sociologists use. 
It is social and behavioral science courses in history, principles, terminology, underlying theory or methodologies, cannot speak, used in the... Used in the social and behavioral sciences. It has nothing to do with it's specific to be to race, to gender. And that's what they're lying to people so with. So it's it's hard when you say, what are you specifically you want an intellectual argument for something that's not logical? How do you combat that? And the people who choose to believe that don't care. And in addition to that, I will say, it's not like DeSantis is just up there spewing these things out. He's got a whole Congress state legislature behind him that's supporting it, that's passing these things, that's taking away funding and changing laws, putting bills up, changing the law to rewrite it in a certain way. That's the issue. If he alone was just saying it, it wouldn't have any effect. He's actually getting the government to pass laws to put it into effect. By the way, I don't think I'm out of the woods yet. I think I can see a faint line here at the bottom of my test. How long have you been? Van, put it up to the camera. I think I can. Other way. Okay, put it down. I don't see anything. Like, uh, hold on, let me see. I don't. No. I'm but you're not out of the woods. You're going to you're going to rest. And the fact that we've been podcasting for an hour and you're still staring at that thing. <laughs> I think it's a faint line. I'll be honest with well, you. It's good. I'm yeah, not guys, out of the woods. Looks like, guys, looks like Monday. <clears throat> we will not be in person. I'm not risking it. I'm well, not risking we'll it. We'll see. We'll see because it's Thursday now. So if I can test if I can test negative Saturday and Sunday, we got to take a chance. You know what I mean? We got to do it. I'm not. I'm out of the contagion stage. I'll anyway. be, I'm just gonna come in with the mask on. It's fine. I got you. Um, no, but you're making sense. But I, I, I still want to be able to, to maybe parse this apart a little bit more. Doing a little. It would be nice, right? The DEI situation because the uh, obviously we could talk to, talk about this till we're blue in the face. You know, DEI is now becoming a um. So like I said, it's a mascot. It's a mascot. It's another mascot. Another one. Yep. Not the right and not the far right, guys. The right. Stop saying the far right. There's no such thing as the far right now. All right? Okay. It's it's the right. The right is using DEI as a mascot to uh, scare Americans into believing that as soon as the Mongols get control of the country, that it's going to be run into the ground. I mean, that's what they say. The Mongols. I mean, we're the Mongols. Speaking of Mongols, the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys have hey, hey, hey. announced that they are retaining Mike McCarthy the 2024. The coach, they can't do a fucking thing correct, it seems like. They're retaining him. Rachel, what do you think? I'm obviously upset. Um, for a number of reasons. Mike McCarthy was brought in because even though he went to one Super Bowl with the Packers, he's this offensive mind, he's a play caller. And he was supposed to take the Cowboys to new heights. He didn't even inherit, inherit, oh, I cannot talk, a bad team. If anything, Mike McCarthy has shown us mediocrity. Yes, we're winning 12 games, but we go nowhere when we step into the playoffs, which is what's important. And it doesn't matter if we win 12 games when in history there have been teams that have won less games, had worse records, and make it to the Super Bowl. And sometimes win the Super Bowl. So the fact that we have this winning season 
or we've had seasons where we've that with records that emulate what we did in the 90s. In the 90s, we were actually getting somewhere. We fired Kellen Moore because he was supposed to be this offensive genius and he couldn't take us anywhere. So we bring in Mike McCarthy to lead him. Then we fire Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy's doing the play calling and we're exactly where we were before. And I just don't understand, especially in this class right now of coaches that are available, whether it be collegiate or professional, we actually have a people to pick from and to entertain bringing in somebody else when Mike McCarthy has shown us that he's just not capable of doing that. I think that's why we're so upset because it's like you have options, better options than you had last year. What are we waiting for? What did Mike McCarthy go into that meeting and say where you said, you know what, we're going to give him one more try. Majority of our team was healthy. We've, we have a stacked team. And the fact that we still couldn't make it happen and we lost to the Packers who got better the second half of their season, who have a very young team and an even, and a very young quarterback and they get there and they embarrass us on this huge stage just to me was all the reason that we needed to let McCarthy go. He's still there. I said my piece the last podcast. It doesn't even matter to me. Doesn't even matter. Keep McCarthy. Oh. Key McCarthy. Take him. I'm tired. Would you have uh, would you have preferred a specific coach? Was there a specific coach that you wanted? I don't know. Like there's like Belichick is doing interviews, right? He would not fit in. He and Jerry are not gonna get along. That's the thing. Who's gonna get along with Jerry? I don't know. About Jim Harbaugh. I don't think he'd get along. I don't think so. And I don't think he's, I don't, I, I think he's going to stay at Michigan. I think he's should I doubt stay at Michigan. It. I doubt it. You think he's going to go? Yeah, I think he's, I think it's done. I, th- I, think I only say to... that because he's done it before and then he went back. And so I'm like, oh, maybe he's just going to stay in he's college. He's won. He's brought Michigan their first solo national championship since fucking World War II type era. And I think he wants to win a Super Bowl. I think he you know, wants, at, at his heart, He's a great coach. At his heart, he's an NFL guy. He's an NFL guy. At his heart. Well, listen, if he goes to the NFL and it doesn't work out for him again, colleges will take him right back. I just, I don't, I don't know. I I just know we don't need Mike McCarthy. There's got to be some changes. It can't be. I mean, this is his last year, but you know what? I said that last year too. I was like, this is, if he doesn't produce, this is it. He's, you would think that he's pre-fired. But I can tell you one thing. I was ecstatic to see this. Of course you were. Because it only upset the fan base. And that's what you relish in. I spent so much time on Cowboys message boards the last couple of days. (laughs) The meltdown is fucking fantastic. Let me tell you guys something. You guys might wonder why I'm against the Cowboys. Um, I'm against the Cowboys. Rachel Rachel is the quintessential Cowboys fan. I told, <laughs> I told Rachel this team would flame out. And she refused even in the face of overwhelming evidence. And the Cowboys have been like this since the 90s. You guys, if you were around in 94, 95, 93, 96, just these people were insufferable, man. Just throwing fucking Emmett Smith in your face. Goddamn Nate Newton. Fucking Michael I love Irvin. Nate Newton. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, just 
all kinds of just, just throwing these people in your fucking face. Jay fucking Novacek. Did he even play for them? Yeah, Jay Novacek. He was with the team. Daryl Moose Johnson. Oh, we got the <laughs> Look, best see, but line. You, but you know us. Yeah, but I know you, you guys. know us. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Fucking yeah, uh, Darren Woodson. The fucking guy with the hooks on his fingers that they act like he could catch the ball easier. He was Super Bowl MVP. Never heard of the nigga again. He picked off Neil O'Donnell twice. And all you just Cowboys, 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 Cowboys. And then, of course, when Prime got there, then just took it up to another fucking level of the dick sweating that happened to the Cowboys. And since then, the Cowboys have been ass. They haven't been able to do anything since Tupac was hot. Yet every single year, they keep telling us it's going to be different when they keep doing the same shit. The We're same positive team. shit. We're optimistic. That's what that is. And we just want every year to be our year. And people like you, trolls like you, you, all you do is feed the fire. Wow. Okay. And you yeah. give us, you might make me come back. But honestly, <laughs> I don't want to talk Cowboys until January 2025. Oh. You're all, I really so don't. All next season, no Cowboys talk. Mm-mm. This is. And it doesn't mean anything. We can go <laughs> undefeated. It doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean anything. We still got to get to the playoffs. Because before it was like, can we get, we, we're not getting to the playoffs. All right, we get to the playoffs. First round. Wild card. I think it's a Win the line. NFC East. Who cares? Doesn't matter. <sighs> okay. Fuck the Cowboys. We got to move on to something else that's uh, it's a tough topic. That's we weren't the topic. able to cover it here. Oh. On the podcast. But there was a woman in Houston. Her name is Rhoda Osman. Who some months ago, very famously, on social media, claimed that she was hit in the head with a brick. September 3rd, she initially claimed that a man attacked her with a brick because she refused to give him her number. All right, before we get into anything around this, we're going to play the audio from that as it was posted on Instagram, TikTok, and other social media places. Uh, Ashley, go ahead and run that for us. Yo, this man just hit me in my face with a brick and all these black men just watch, and they don't give a f- Yeah, this man, this man hit me, grabbed a rock, and it hit me in my f- Face, I would have given my number. And all y'all just watch. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I want y'all to be a man. I want y'all to be a man. Do something. Y'all gonna let a man hit me in my face? Y'all don't understand. Like, I'm just trying to take my friend out from five years ago. Like, literally, spending my whole money, not bothering nobody. Like, what the fuck kind of shit is this? I'm in the parking lot just trying to buy some food. And, like, I'm literally like, why is this busted up on me like this? And I'm looking at all these. They literally let this do all of this. They let this, like, really, like, do all of that. 
<laughs> I never thought it was gonna happen, yo. Like, it's so whack. And he's gonna get away with it. He got in the car. He got away. He's never gonna get caught. He's gonna move on. He's probably at an after party right now having a good time. Do you feel good about yourself doing this to a woman? For what? Like, all this violence against black women is not okay. Like, what do I do to deserve this? Like, how, what is my defense against this? Uh, so that was her claim that time. She also told officers that she had ordered an Uber and believed that the person who threw the, threw the book, the brick uh, at her, hit her with a brick, was an Uber driver. She said she got into the car with him, where he then tried to kidnap her, according to documents. Uh, she said that the suspect was involved in human trafficking and had a large group of women in the car with him. Um, on September 4th, the day after the assault was reported, uh, GoFundMe was uh, was created uh, and listed her as the beneficiary. The page read, woman gets hospitalized after allegedly being hit in the face with a brick. By a man, she refused to give her number. The alleged incident happened in Houston. She says she was surrounded by men who did absolutely nothing. She says the man got in the car and left the scene after assaulting her as afraid that uh, he would get caught. Um, the, that GoFundMe ended up getting frozen after several donors reported it as fraudulent. Okay, so let's stop right there for a second. This immediately became Gender Wars 101. And you would imagine that it would. You have a woman making a claim of assault and violence against a man. And then you have bad actors, mm-hmm. um, misogynists and sexists who are saying that this never happened. Uh, there were guys, myself, my son, other people, that admonished these men for saying, hey, why would you say that this woman is lying about being hit in the head with a brick when she's got a big fucking bruise on her face and there seems to be something that happened to you. Why would she lie about that? Like, why would that be something that didn't happen to her? We were on break, I think, when this all went down. Uh, you might have been out of the country or maybe I was on vacation or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but did you hear about the story when it initially happened and stuff? Yes. But I feel like I heard not when it went viral that it happened, it was the stuff that came later that I think that it crossed my attention because yes, when this happened first week of September, I was on vacation and I was anti all social media. So I saw the aftermath of it all. Right. So there was an investigation following this Mm -hmm. and just to not bear the lead here in this investigation, uh, she has not been charged. She has not been charged with making this up and theft by deception. Theft by deception. What does that what does that really mean? Theft by deception. Okay, it says it's a form of theft that involves acquiring someone's property through fraudulent means, deceit, or misrepresentation. So it's in reference to the GoFundMe. So, ex- example: I say that I'm stricken with some disease. I raise money on behalf of my treatment, and then it's found out I don't have that disease. Correct. That's theft by deception. You can't Correct. do that. That's a disorder. Okay. So there was a, an investigation after this. And in the investigation, detectives uh, say that they received a call from someone. And we should say that there are people that on the internet who, like TikTokers, one woman named Daphne Sutton, who's a TikToker, who 
looked into this and started like parsing through it and saying, I don't think that this happened the way that she said that it happened. Mm-hmm. She put out a very, very, very viral TikTok where she went through all of Miss Osmond's past, tried to bring up other instances where she had done similar things and tried to poke holes in this case. This is while the argument is raging on social media about whether or not this happened, about black men's responsibility to defend and protect black women in potentially violent situations. Uh, uh, and it all gets back down to the fact that there just seems to be this simmering lack of trust among certain parts of the community. Trust that we won't do violence against our sisters, which we fail at all the time. Trust that we won't make false accusations against other black men that didn't have anything to do with things. Um, just a, just an insane lack of trust and incidences like this always like bubble that up to the top. Um, Daphne Sutton, who is white, uh, like I said, mental health advocate, blogger on TikTok, she thought that she was conducting a scam. So she went to the police. She went to the police is what detectives said. She provided detectives with another GoFundMe account that was created by or for uh, Osman in 2020 with the same narrative of a black man hitting her. Detectives then reached out to Minneapolis police to ask about the GoFundMe, which said, help black Muslim mother pay her medical bills. The description, description read, a young black Muslim single mother was viciously assaulted by private security in Minneapolis, sustaining emotional facial contusions, a black eye and injuries to her leg. She needs an estimated $5,000 to pay for medical bills. Uh, detectives then launched an investigation in which different parts of this story were seen not to be true. Now, I'm going to read from a couple of different articles that have been made about this. One is from Click to Houston. Um, and it says that this is with the, uh, the prosecutor uh, on this story. The question from Click to Houston is this. Did any of the evidence verify what Osmond claimed happened to her? Prosecutor says, no, that was not verified by any of the evidence we looked at. We were able to find video of the defendant and another person who we believed was the accused assaulter. They got into a car. They both got out of the car. The, de- the defendant then slapped the male. So according to what's on video, she slapped this gentleman who then responded by slapping her back. He did have a water bottle in his hand. And we think that's what left the mark on her face. But it was mutual combat. Uh, this is what the Houston prosecutor said. What role did the fact that this incident went viral on social media play into the investigation tips? That played a very big part into this. From what I understand, even before the detective had come to me, people were already reporting the GoFundMe that was a fraud and they suspected it to be a fraud. I don't know when they froze it, but it was before I contacted. I was contacted in November and the donation was frozen for a long time. And they didn't ask, has she been accused of something like this before? Yes. Somebody who saw the story contacted the police here and informed them that she had done the exact same thing in Minnesota in 2020. Uh, So there's also another article about this where someone who was with her tells a different accounting of the story as well. I want to read all of this stuff just because you have to be incredibly, incredibly careful with what it is that we're talking about. Rach, before I go on, do you have anything to say while I'm looking for this? No, no, no. I mean, I, I will say that I did not realize that I I read the Click to Houston article and maybe I read a different one, but I did not realize that she contacted 
assaulted him too. You didn't realize that. That's why they ruled I, it, I guess, not assault because I guess they ruled it. Right, I crime. thought that he did hit her. I read the hitting her with the water bottle, um, but I did not read the part that she hit him first. Well, I'll say that the first article was just sort of the rundown of everything that had happened, right? Right. Um, and there was a witness statement in there too. I'm about to go into that too. The second one was um, the interview with the prosecutor, which I think they might have put out because there was so much uncertainty about the first one. So I'll just read a little bit more into this. The follow-up investigation begins. And detectives try to reach out to Osmond, but she she provides her friend's number. Her friend was also at the scene when all of this happened. Her friend said she was not from Houston, went out several places to drink with Osmond. And she said that Osmond reportedly called her male friends to come pick them up. When the men arrived, Osmond and the friend got into their vehicle, which was a dark colored sedan. The woman told investigators that she got into the right front passenger seat and Osmond was in the back seat with another man. As they were driving, she reportedly heard the man's, uh, reportedly heard Osmond say, ouch, why you hit me? But stated that she did not hear an argument before she heard Osmond yell. The friend said off the record she did not believe Osmond was hit with a brick according to the charging, charging documents. She said that the friend told detectives the suspect who allegedly assaulted Osmond got out of their vehicle, got into another vehicle, and drove off. She said Osmond went live on Instagram and that she tried to convince her to call the police. She gave a, 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 a statement to detectives saying all of this, um, but saying that she would not be able to possibly identify um, these suspects. The yet. other man. And then they got surveillance video. And so the, on September 20th, Houston police canvassed the area of the assault and spotted surveillance cameras on the 5600 block of, of Schumacher. Before I should say this, they talked to Osmond and she changed her story a couple of times. She changed her story to say that she was assaulted at the Liquor Lounge Club. Um, she changed what she was assaulted with. Um, she was asked where her friend was at the time. She got upset and she didn't want to talk to the police. This is what the police are saying. Once again, I'm not saying put all your trust into the police and all of that. I'm saying she changed her story a couple of times. But she asked to speak to the supervisor of the detective. Uh, surveillance video shows that uh, Douglas and Osman, her friend, were talking amongst each other and walking towards the TikTok Lounge, 5600 block of Schumacher. About 20 minutes later, the video shows the trio walk outside the club. They had gone inside the club together. Uh, then they walked towards a white Maserati that was parked directly on the side of the business. Douglas was seen leaning on the front right passenger door while Osman walked towards him. According to the documents, the surveillance footage shows that Osmond started dancing on Douglas while her friend was in front of the vehicle talking to another man. Then they get inside the Maserati. Um, uh, they get inside the Maserati. They get out. And then I guess the rest of the surveillance video shows what we then saw after that. So, And that's the article I read. And that article says that he hit her first? No, the other article with the okay, prosecutor. Okay, that's the one I read. Yeah, right. okay. Um, the the other article with the prosecutor, the prosecutor okay. in that article that they talked to says that she was shown smacking him and then uh, he, hit he her smacked back. her, he, he, he hit her back and then that's the whole deal, okay? That's uh, an artful 
and staccato accounting of what has happened here. Um, I think you should also say that she's being because she's being charged with theft by deception, and that is based off the GoFundMe. I don't know if you said this, but the GoFundMe has an account that of what happened that evening that was not the same as what the surveillance cameras show, which is how this charge. If she didn't start to go fund me, then how can she be charged? I, it's my question as well. I, it's the, I think there's two parts to this. There's the assault and then there's the felony that she is being charged with because of the amount of money that was received through that GoFundMe, which is a third degree felony. And I think you can be in jail for two, yeah, two to 10 years, possibly if they move forward with this. That's my thing. She didn't create it. She's saying she did not create it. Now, again, I'm going to take her at her word. She's saying she didn't create it. And she also said she has not received one cent from it. Hmm. Um, The only reason why I'm bringing it up is because it's relevant being based upon what the prosecutor said. In this article, it also states that she does have a criminal history. And honestly, it's a violent one. Just honestly. Uh, She's on bail right now for a separate offense, a separate offense from uh, September 22nd, 2023, felony assault and domestic violence. She was charged with, she had also been charged with two counts of misdemeanor domestic violence in Steele County, Minnesota. So there had been a violent past, I guess, um, from her before. She had had some other charges in the Virgin Islands, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Hennepin County. Uh, Minnesota, Williamson County, Texas, Travis County, Texas. Um, And I guess they are asking the court to enter a $50,000 bail on the theft by deception charge that she now faces here. So that's all the information, just a spill of information that we have. So a couple of things here. Um, This is obviously being valued about like a football. Um, Just thrown all around. When this first yeah. happened, I was aghast and appalled at how many of you out there did not believe this woman's story. Faces swole up. She's hit by a brick. I don't understand why you wouldn't believe that she was hit by a brick. Do you think that men don't I hit don't women either. with bricks? Do you think that men don't hit women? What is there not to believe? We literally covered a story where a man attacked a woman in a restaurant and her son then went out and got a gun and shot him. We've talked about this happens more than we would. It shouldn't happen at all, but more than it definitely it happens should. all the fucking time. Yeah. Okay. Happens all the fucking time. Happens all the time. Uh, I do feel like I was wrong here for defending her. But how would you, but do you, okay. Now you feel like that. But mm-hmm. in the moment, do you regret? Do you feel like, let me ask you this. Do you feel like you should have waited till it all came out? Or are you okay with how you handled it in the moment when the information came? No, I'll do it again next time. But I think it's okay. important okay. to, That's yeah, important I mean, of course I will. I, like, you know, like, look, let me just, let me break down Believe All Women as I understand it. Believe All Women is, once again, we talk about things that are, you know, reactionary and believe all women to me is a reactionary notion that has a hell of a lot 
of intellectual credence. It's a reactionary notion to uh, a point where women weren't believed. It's like Black Lives Matter. Obviously, Black Lives Matter is not this statement about other people's lives. It's a reactionary statement to a country and a situation and a condition where our lives don't matter. So Believe All Women, to mm-hmm. me, is challenging the notions, is challenging the notion of bitches be lying. It's a direct challenge to that notion. It's not something to be taken as gospel, meaning no matter what, believe all women. It doesn't say no matter what, believe women. It says mm-hmm. believe women. Yeah. And to me, that is in direct conflict. It's a reaction to bitches be lying. Bitches lie, which is yeah. what people say. Yes. Um, that doesn't mean that there are no shades to it, right? I feel like the way she put this out here was intellectually untrue. Number one, she was involved in mutual combat where she hit somebody. Now, if you hit Van Lathan, who is me, the fat nigga on the other side of this mic, you're going to get a smile back. If you're a woman and you hit me, I'm probably going to laugh. Now, if you got a knife or something, I'm probably going to get on my horse. I'm out of here. But you don't have to worry about a situation where I ball my fucking fist up and punch a woman in the face. That ain't happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have to be a significant attack. I'd have to be, it'd have to be something coming you know, maybe if I'm, you know, if like fucking Cynthia Rothrock. If your life, if your life is being threatened or so, in some way. Okay. Yeah, yes. But you slap me, I'm not coming back with a right cross. But I'll tell you one thing, I'm not these niggas. And these niggas will give you the fight that you're looking for. So if she was wondering why nobody stepped in, it might have been because they saw her hit him. And the way that black men were specifically indicted in this situation, the way that they were specifically indicted by someone who seems to be, nothing about this is certain yet. Nothing. These these are just more allegations. But if you were to believe all of this information, right, someone who seems to be either somebody incapable of recollecting this in... Uh, an authentic way or somebody whose emotions got the better of them and just kind of started saying stuff. I think that is unfair. I think it's dangerous. And I think that honestly, it deserves to be talked about in a way that is very serious. It deserves to be talked about in a way that says, hey, We have to be a little bit better than this when we're talking about these things if you're specifically going to say black men did this to me or didn't stop this from being done to me when these guys might have seen you with someone, might have seen you hit somebody and might have been, oh my God, that's a couple fighting. Would I still get involved? Yeah. Hey, bro, damn, what's up with you? Like the whole whole deal. But it seems to be, at least to me, a wholly different situation than the one that was laid out by her. No, for sure. And obviously, there, like I said before, there was drinking going on. And so it's hard for me to even form an opinion based on it because her recollection isn't 
doesn't match several different accounts. And we haven't really heard from the other people involved. What we do know is that there is surveillance that shows her hitting him and him hitting her. Now, I'm still totally according, against the- According to the prosecutor. According, according to the prosecutor. Yeah. Correct. But I would imagine that there, especially because the first article I read didn't even say all that. And then it's come out that, that, that they're, you know, because they don't have to tell everybody the evidence they have. And I'm sure because of the backlash they are while they're not charging this man who they have now named with assault. It must be because of some type of evidence that they have that goes against that. But I still have a huge problem with the fact whether she remembers it or not, whether she whether she he did ask for her number or she got upset in the car. We don't even know what happened inside of the car. Like there could have been there could have been a reason she was upset and she slapped him. She hit him. He could have, he could have forced himself on her in the car. We have no idea. So it's hard to form an opinion about it because there's so much speculation surrounding it. But what we do know, if the, based on surveillance, is that she hit him and then he hit her. I still have a problem with it. No, nobody should put their hands on anybody like in, you know, I mean, certain instances call for it, but nobody should really put their hands on anybody. The fact that she hit him as a woman, and then he comes back, not only hits her, but hits her with an object in his hand. So he's not only using the force where he's stronger than her, he is aiding that force with something hard in his hand that gave her this huge mark. To me, there should be some type of charge because he used, it's like if she slapped, if she slapped him and he stabbed her, you telling me you're not going to charge him because he hit her because he because she hit him first. Depends on he, where you are. He used greater force than was necessary, in my opinion. This is just me. This is maybe where the gender wars comes out. I think that there should be. I'm sorry. And okay, let me ask you this: You wouldn't hit her back. Why? No, because Why? I'm too because I'm too strong. Thank you. You just proving my point. You no, know I'm, that. No, I'm I'm proving the point that I think that. <laughs> this is the point that I'm proving. So, hitting women is a non-starter for me. It's not, it is. It is. It's a non-starter for me. Now, by the letter of the law, if you enter into combat with someone, I guess, from this being... You can't use this, strong... You can't use... Again, if somebody pushes you, you can't shoot them. Right. Unless, unless... But that's not what happened. He hit he her back... An, he hit her with something. Yeah. Okay. He hit her so, back with something. So what I'm what so I'm would saying, you feel different if it was a brick? If I if I felt like a brick is a deadly object, and so I it, and so to me, if they're saying that it was a water bottle, I don't know the determination that they made. I would be interested to talk to them. Their determination that they made. By the way, I this is not me in any way saying that it's appropriate to hit a woman back when she hits you. This is me saying though. And I want everybody to understand this. We don't know what happened inside the car. We don't know what happened inside the car, right? We do know if this were a man and he had the history of violence that she had, that we would be saying, hey, he probably flew off the handle and did something violent because we've seen him do it before, right? Okay? This is what I'm saying. And this is to people. If you do not want violence done to you, if you do not want violence done to you, if you don't want to invite a violent situation, <gasps> do she not. Him. Yeah, she did. She hit him. Okay, keep going. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 hold on for a second. Wait a second. She hit him. Like, 
you're, it's not an invitation to me. Right? It's not an invitation to Van Lathan. Van Lathan Jr. is not going to hit you. And Van Lathan Jr.'s nephews aren't going to hit you. And Van Lathan Jr., I mean, there are other people. And you're not because you're, you know, you're stronger. You know, you could do more damage. You know, you could hit her. She could fall on the ground, bust her head. And it could result in death. Right. But I'm not agreeing with the fact that she hit him. Just saying that there should be a But but just in reality, she invited a violent situation. Is that fair to say? She's an adult human being, right? She invited a violent, if, if true, she invited a violent situation. If true, and assuming that there wasn't a prior situation that happened inside that car, because we don't even know why she slapped him. Okay, so if he, if he, in the car, if he, I don't know, said something to her, if he uh, touched her, if he did anything, the slap was punitive because it was outside of the car. Right, so she's trying to get her shit back. For his shit, he's in front of her. She slaps him. He's like, "I don't want to get slapped again." So now we fight. Now I'm not blaming her. Sometimes niggas need to get slapped. If you said something to her, if you rubbed up against her the wrong way or whatever, sometimes people need to get slapped. But if you slap somebody, you're inviting a violent situation. Fine. And so if you invite a violent situation, and then you get hit back. It's kind of a situation to where you're being disingenuous by saying, I got hit back. Why didn't anybody help me? She like probably thought he wasn't going to hit her back. <laughs> I mean, he should have. <laughs> she probably thought, like, I-, I-, I guarantee you she did not think he was going to hit her back. He should have. He, he should not have hit her uh-huh. back. But, like, my thing here is, like, I... She was hit. Everybody out there right now that's saying she made this whole thing up, that she had an allergic reaction, that she injected something Damn. into her face. I talked to a friend what? of mine earlier today, Melanie, and Melanie was like, Van, um, the post that you put up about this was irresponsible because it makes it seem like um it called me out. Like it, the post that you put up was irresponsible because it makes it seem like she made the entire thing up when she actually was hit. She was hit, but it's a lie by omission because so many of the facts, either she couldn't clearly recollect or she didn't articulate. And we have to be able to have a conversation about that, especially when all of this shit is ammunition now. What was your your caption? My my caption was, yeah, so, and then I put the first graph of the, uh, of the, of the, um, of the, of the, of the, of the article in there. I put the first first couple of graphs of the article in there. The fact that she had actually been arrested. And remember, when this lady was making these TikToks, I did not put these ladies' TikToks up because I'm not, I'm like, people are sending me this whole thing. I posted this on the internet. Y'all should be ashamed of yourself, the whole nine, the entire thing. I did not post any of those TikToks. Those TikToks is just somebody talking shit. But when they when an investigation was done and it was thorough enough for somebody to come back and be like, yo, we think that there's parts of this story that are left out. You know what I'm saying? And when the term black men gets used in there, hey, black men didn't do anything when I just got hit. When you basically absolve yourself from any responsibility from the violent situation that it seems like you put yourself in, 
And then you say black men didn't do anything while this was happening. Like, look, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm sorry. I am black men. I have no problem being introspective and blaming us for what we need to be blamed for and holding us to our feet to the fire for how we need to be better and how we need to change. I have absolutely zero problem doing that. At the same time, though, I'm going to need this accountability to go both ways. Like, I'm going to need this accountability to be something holistic that we can all do. And we, we have to all admit that sometimes the trauma gets involved in ways that aren't helpful or healthy to all of us. It can't just be on one side of it. And if this situation, if we're talking about the way black people treat each other and she hauled off and hit him, first of all, she knew her attacker. We should say this. She, for her to say that somebody did all of this stuff to make it seem random in a way that it wasn't, she knew her attacker. Like she knew who, she knew who hit her with the thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so, not only is it black men didn't help me, it's kind of this amorphous black sort of archetype that did it, and we don't know who he is. A black man hit you, and these other guys saw what went on, and they're like, what's the deal? There's more to it. Yes, you are triggered by the fact that she said black men did I get it. It, it was the black men comment that really got you. Nah, at first it was a black men comment that to me was about accountability because I'm asking. Now, inside that thing in Chicago, I wouldn't have had that old black man jump into that. I wouldn't have had him jump in. You're not going to have my grandfather. <laughs> my grandfather, 90 years old. My papa see two people getting down in the motherfucking rib spot nigga walk out you chill out your time. It's, yeah. it's not his fight it's not his fight and I agree with that like that would you, not be the fight nigga walk out you did your time I want my papa fighting in there like you know what I'm saying nigga in here yeah you know um, but in this case if I'm gonna be if I'm going to be critical of black men which I'm gonna have to be but remember I am of them so I have to be critical and I also have to be viable that means there has to be some Talk about the accountability of this. <laughs> you know what I thought you were gonna say? What? That means bitches be lying. Nah, That's man. What I thought you were gonna say. Nah, we ain't with the bitches be lying. Nah, <laughs> we ain't. We can't. I know you're not. Yeah. And good. Well, enough of that story. I don't. If if we get new information, I don't care. You don't care but, about but the she, story. But, but she shouldn't be charged at the moment. From what we know, she shouldn't be charged by with a felony for this. I mean, if she gets the money, because I'm not convinced that she had her friends started, especially if she if she really does have a history of making accusations and starting a GoFundMe, then she's fully aware that she should probably have somebody else start it for her. The moment the money drops in her account, if it ever does, then maybe I see something. But otherwise, like, give the money back. Don't charge her yet. She go to jail for 10 years for this. this I, I is, don't think I don't think it's worth all of it. I don't think I, it's worth. I, I don't like. It, just, she shouldn't you know. get the forty two thousand. I know that. I don't think she got it. I don't think she ever got it. She said she hasn't. But if one thing's come out from this story, there've been mo- like her ac- her account necessarily was not what the evidence shows. All right, I do want to say this before we move on. This this is a situation where a woman was hit by a man. And any time there's a situation where a woman is hit by a man, we should sit down and we should talk about what that means and why yes. we should think more yes. about women than to hit them and why we should we should be able to understand. Like, I'm not trying to... This is equate, the topic. I'm not trying to equate women to children. 
I've told you this before. I was on a basketball court one time, like into it with a 15, 16 year old kid, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And going back and forth, and he's getting mad. I'm like, all right, son. All right, calm down. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Like, all right, son, calm down. Calm down there, boy. Calm down. And he wouldn't calm down. He threw the ball at me. So oh. he threw, threw the ball at me. So I grabbed him and put him on the ground and sat on him until his dad came. <laughs> I said, hey, hey, man. And his dad thanked me. Is that, because I see that all the time. I'm like, hey, look, he just, because I thought I was going to have to go with Pops. I'm like, hey, threw a ball, hit me in the face, blah, 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 blah. I'm looking at somebody right there who's not in the situation to fight with a grown-ass 30-whatever-year-old Van Lathan. You you handle it. Right. You don't hit ladies. Okay? Thank you. You you don't hit ladies. Women, that does not give you carte blanche to hit whoever you want to hit. Agreed. Do you, though? Yes, I see. I don't walk. I don't walk around hitting men. I do not believe. I do absolutely do not believe that it is necessary to put your hands on someone. Low key, women sometimes like when women do violence to men. Like even shows snatch. Sure, things like that. Where it's like it's always like snapped. See, it's always like what. What did he do to deserve it? Even in this situation, it's she smashed that. him. It's like, what did he do to deserve That's it? What did he wild. do to deserve it's violence? It's not why we love Snap. It's just the reason that show is successful and it continues to go on is because it is uncharacteristic when you're talking about gender stereotypes for a woman to act out in such a violent way. And so the your curiosity is peaked. That's what's intriguing about the show. That's not because I enjoy... Seeing women think, attack men, it's just you, like, whoa, I never would have thought this. Do you think female to male violence is uncharacteristic? Do you know how many women have hit me? Mur- we're talking, Snap is about murder. I know, but I'm saying Snap is about murder. I, I said, I, no, we're talking about murder. We're talking about another level. We're talking about death. All I'm saying is this. Let's just take the violence out of it, man. Just don't hit. Yeah, I agree. Don't hit. Don't hit. Uh, as far as this is, con- this is concerned, this will be uh, ballyhooed about over and over again. People use it for the gender wars. I think it's important for me to just be honest with the audience and the fact that I got on there and I told everyone that they were ashamed, that they should be ashamed of themselves. Um, I don't feel like that's something that I shouldn't have done at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I will do it the next time. But... In the event that things do not go the way that they looked like they were going to go, it is also okay to talk about that. The story sure. isn't over. Have yet to hear from her. I'm sure she will be, uh, she will talk and she will be uh, uh, much more vocal about what's going on. But they have to discuss it. They have to hold each other accountable. They have to be accountability both ways. I'm going to say, why did Brownie come back? This line is faint. Brownie was, um, I don't know, he was needy. He was pawing at me, so I put him in my lap. Brownie's so cute. You love Brownie. We got to go. Um, yeah, we got to go. You got to stop staring at that line. You got to go get back in the bed. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. No more podcasts. Oh, test results aren't accurate after a half an hour. What does that mean? That means it's it's kind of like the same thing with... um. 
pregnancy test. Like when you, it's, there's a certain amount of time and then like so much air, it gets so much oxygen or whatever it is that it's like, you can't really pay attention to it for now. So it's like, LA is right. So I should test again? Yeah, just again. But yeah, you have to read the test within 15 to 30 minutes of, of it being. I did. I did. And it was nothing. But after that, the line okay. came. Yeah, but then you That's throw the test saying. away after that. <laughs> like the, the test can change like after that. Oh, my name is Alea and I know everything about a COVID test. It's uh, in the little packet, my guy. Oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> Snappy, come back there, Alea. Well, then I guess what? I'll be seeing you Monday. Then I'll test again right now. You guys, we got to go. Taking caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. 